don't you uh, have your seat, take your seats and uh, open your Bibles and uh, go with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a copy of one so our ushers are coming around. You can get their attention or you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app. I realize it's kind of weird for us to not say, uh, turn to the book of Mark, right? Uh, we just finished the book of Mark last week after spending an, uh, over a year in the book of Mark. That is really our MO around here. Uh, we just get into a book of the Bible and we work verse by verse. And Because uh, honestly, we don't need a message from a man. Amen? We need a message from the Lord. And that's no different today. But uh, our approach to the text is going to be a little bit different today. Because today is halftime Sunday. I know like in your mind, you're like, wait a minute, it's like Super Bowl Sunday. Like, ah, I see what you did there. That's, that's cute. Um, so, so, so the reason we do Halftime Sunday is not because uh, most of you are uh, awaiting in uh, excited anticipation for Tom Brady to win his sixth Super Bowl tonight, right? Give it up for the old guys. All right, fair enough. That was close. Okay, I am doing that because it's going to earn me a win with my wife who's from New England. Uh, Maybe you're not quite as fired up. That's really not why we're doing Halftime Sunday. The reason we're doing Halftime Sunday is this is halfway through our ministry year that starts every year, Vision Sunday, back in September. And uh, that's kind of our anniversary as a church. And that's when we launch the new year. We cast that vision of where we're going this year. We want to love Christ and live sent. And so here we are about halfway through and this is a chance for us to kind of huddle up in the locker room and and recap how are things going and and get excited and look forward to where we're going in uh, the second half of our ministry year and 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 so this is a perfect opportunity for me I think of some of the great locker room speeches of all time and the one that comes to my mind is one of uh, the most inspirational movies I've ever seen uh, the mighty ducks you know what I'm talking about? Any, anybody seen Mighty Ducks? Okay, so, so the best scene is actually in the second one, in D2. And, and if you remember that, they're like huddled up in the locker room. Things aren't going so well. And they're trying to get all fired up. And, and they're saying all together, they say, ducks fly. Oh, yes. Does it give you like chills, right? Ducks fly together. And, that, like, every, and, and, and you're like ready to run through a brick wall and... and so maybe not, maybe that, you're, you may not be feeling that. But um, the, the reason that we want to do this is really to kind of recap where we're at and get excited about where we're going. And I am uh, pretty fired up, if you can't tell, um, about what Christ is doing in his church, pursuing him and uh, really watching him work in the second half of our ministry year. So uh, before we do that, I think it's appropriate for us to kind of just, uh, you want to call out some things that are going well and want to celebrate some wins um, and give praise to God. Uh, We've had an incredible uh, ministry year so far, and and I think of of our worship, and uh, these are uh, just some things that that, that there's a lot of things we have to be thankful for, and and I I think uh, it it would be uh, uh, remiss if we uh, don't take time to praise God for these things, that that in our worship right now, uh, we've been experiencing some record numbers. I mean, we've never experienced this kind of growth before, and I know our, uh, our attendance has been up, right? And, and I realize that for some of you, um, that means that you have to sit closer to somebody than you wanted to, and you're like hoping that I'm going to move the, uh, the curtains back. I'm like, I don't want to do that because I know then you get too far away from me, and, 
And I realize you need some safe distance. That's why nobody sits up here. Uh, but um, honestly, I love the energy that we have. And it's a special thing that we get to come together and, and worship Christ together. And, and so that's been awesome. Our budgeting and our giving has been way up. We shared that with you a couple months ago. That uh, Honestly, our 2018, but we blew that thing out of the water. And, and that has been a work of God over the last two years. Um, that was not where we were at. And... and uh, Praise God, he's done a work in our, in our church, and you guys have given so faithfully to that. And all of that has really uh, allowed us to do some cool things this year. We've been able to open up a new uh, kids' classroom, and, and um, uh, you know, as I said this morning, there's more coming, right? And, and so uh, we just praise God for that. We've been able to kind of update our check-ins and all of that, and, and, and we've also been able to do a whole lot of upgrades to our equipment. I mean, we're a, a six-year-old church plant, so a lot of stuff starts breaking down and falling apart. We've got to replace all of that, so we've been able to do that and, and stuff in the lobby. We've got coffee out there. Amen? Amen? We praise God for those things. Right? Okay, so here's the deal. I know you're like, this seems like a little thing. I, I, some, sometimes it is, but, but I do think that, that it's appropriate for us to really praise God that, that we're growing in our worship. And, and, but we don't, don't just measure, like, well, how many people we got coming on Sunday mornings because our, our goal is really to make disciples. And, and so disciples, yeah, they worship Christ, but, but disciples also walk with Christ, right? And so one of the fun things this year is really seeing our, our small groups growing and, and seeing more people get into discipleship relationships. And, and, and I love uh, the, the community. I know some of you are just embracing the diversity. And I know you go to small group and there are people that are not in the same stage of life in you and they didn't come from the same area of the world as you did. And, and that's awesome. And there's a welcome without judgment and, and, and prioritizing these intentional relationships. And for some of you, that means you have to drive a really long distance and, and it messes with your schedules. I get that. Uh, but, but we recognize the importance of it and, and the value of having uh, this, this family. I just, I just love that. And if you're, if you're new to Harvest, you're just kind of checking this out, I just want to encourage you. We'd love for you to be a part of this family. And I celebrate some of the things that I get to see happening, like, like meal trains and, and text chains uh, with one another and, and, and um, uh, people that are just dropping everything to go and be there with somebody that's in need and, and the care that's happening. That's awesome. And it's not just, not just care, not just making sure that you've got somebody who's there for you, but, but it's also encouraging people to grow. And one of the things that we've been really focusing on is, is growing in our spiritual disciplines, right? And we've been encouraging one another with those things and, and seeing people getting after their Bible reading and getting on their knees faithfully and, and the conversations that come because of that. And, and, and not just disciplines in, in your personal life, but also serving and serving together and, and the opportunity that we had this Christmas to be able to uh, bless some of the families in uh, Lanier Middle School and this community. And, and I just love that, right? We're, we're, we're growing together. And, and it's not even just our adults either. One of the fun things we've been able to celebrate this year is we were able to launch Harvest Students. And uh, so thankful for, for Will and for Michelle and Caitlin. They're just like crushing it. And, and so thankful for uh, what's happening in that community. Just a few weeks, they're getting ready to go on a winter retreat. And, and they're going to have a ton of fun here. The thing that gets me fired up is there's a, there's a commitment to making disciples and those relationships. But it's not just, we, we don't just worship Christ, not just walk with Christ, but we also work for Christ. 
And I love your, your spirit to just jump right in. I, I feel like every week I show up here uh, early in the morning, and there's somebody new that's joined the setup team and is, is uh, there early in the morning helping us get all of this set up and uh, people teaching our kids and, and our guest experience and making sure that people feel welcomed and, and our, our worship and our production team and our prayer team that's just been so faithful at that love. Love that spirit of wanting to serve and, 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 and not just serving uh, just the church, but also uh, recognizing that, that the work is making disciples and, and there are people around the world that don't know Christ. And, and so this year we're, uh, we, we've already formed our uh, missions trip team uh, going to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia next month. Can you believe that? This is happening next month and, and trying to get the gospel out to unreached people groups. And the, I just love the courage to step out in faith there. And, and I know not everybody can go on that trip, but uh, we're also not just looking around the world, but right here in our community. And how, how, can, we, how can we bless Fairfax and Northern Virginia and make this an awesome place to live? And so our, our Go Beyond team is hard at it and getting, getting excited about some of the, uh, the efforts that are going to be happening in July. There's just, honestly, I'm just trying to tell you, there's a lot of great things that have been going on that we just want to praise God for. But one of the, I, I do think it's appropriate, and I, I want to just take a moment just to um, honor and thank a couple of men that have uh, really um, been leading so well and have been faithful servants of uh, the church. And, and I want, believe it or not, this is going to blow you away, uh, today, marks one year, uh, one year ago that uh, Phil and Lauren moved to Fairfax, and yeah, and I, like, I didn't even say that, they're just like ready to thank you, right, like honestly, um, I, they, they have just blown me away, I was, I was a worship guy, okay, I, I, like I, I know how to do some of that, I could never do what Phil does, and the work that he puts into this, and honestly, I think one of the things that, that, that excites me the most is um, your humility in that just your servant's heart, so so thankful for that. So join me again in thanking him for one year of ministry. Love you, bro. And then there's, uh, uh, this, this month also uh, kind of marks another uh, anniversary for us uh, because it was uh, four years ago uh, that Scott and Steph Mucko uh, jumped into the role of being an elder here at Harvest. I know your wife's back. She's back serving. She's, she's doing her thing with the kids. And, uh, and, and, and I know, um, honestly, your, your work and all of the sacrifice, like words can't put it in, in, into expressing that. And um, I mean this when I say it, that this is, okay, so like both of us are, are like the crying guys in the church. Like I knew this was going to happen. This, it has been one of the greatest joys of my life to serve alongside you and to, and to submit to your leadership as one of my elders. So would you thank uh, Scott for four years? Man, I was, gonna tr- I was trying not to cry, but, I, dude, I just I love this church. I love what God is doing. We want to celebrate that. Amen. These are things that, that we're, we're thankful for. I know this is so weird. You're like, when are we getting into the text? I promise it's coming. Uh, but uh, that it, it's appropriate for us to just kind of re- recap and look back and see what God is doing and uh, to get excited about looking ahead and where we're going. So, so one of the things, before we jump into Revelation, uh, uh, one of the things that I want to let you know is coming in the next few months by way of announcement. This is kind of exciting. It's kind of a big deal, kind of a not, but uh, I think it's a, it's a good time for us to really share this with you. Uh, we are going to be changing our church's name. 
did not see that one coming. So, like, I know that you've got a ton of questions. I, I, I know the question is, well, what's it going to be? Well, we don't know that yet. We actually need your help on that one. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but I know that you're really wondering why. Why, why would we do that? And I, I think I can answer that question. So, so, so many of you uh, know uh, our history. We're so thankful for what God has done here that, that our church was planted out of uh, an organization called Harvest Bible Fellowship that really got started uh, by uh, Pastor James McDonald's church there in Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. And uh, that ministry has been going on for a long time. And uh, our church was planted six years ago, uh, back in 2012, out of HBF. Um, and, and, and many of you might remember, uh, back in 2017, uh, we had a family chat letting you know that there were just some changes that were going on. And, and uh, Pastor James um, and uh, Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago, uh, at that time, had really pulled out of uh, HBF. And, and at that time, Harvest Bible Fellowship really kind of came to an end. But there were enough, uh, there were enough of us that, that just loved the relationships, and there was a, a sense of, like, the, well, the work doesn't need to stop. We need to keep doing this. We need to keep planting churches, uh, life-giving churches for the glory of God. And so um, a new work was started in 2017 uh, that we joined called the Great Commission Collective, the GCC. In fact, uh, Carissa and I are leaving tomorrow morning. We are going down to the Dominican Republic. Um, yeah, we're going to... Suffer for Jesus down there. Um, but we're heading down to the Dominican Republic to be with all the pastors and wives from around the world uh, of churches that are part of uh, GCC. Spend some time together and, and fellowship with one another, encourage one another, and then think strategy and how can we do this more effectively and, and building healthy churches and making sure uh, that we're getting after this work of planting where more churches are needed. And so you can pray for us in that. And I'm so fired up about uh, the direction that we're going with the GCC. Uh, but because of that, Excuse me. That means that we have not actually been uh, affiliated with Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago since 2017, even though we're associated by name, which uh, sometimes can uh, end up being confusing. And and, and I do um, I do want to say that that um, we certainly have not always agreed with some of the decisions that Harvest Chicago has made, but. I am incredibly, incredibly thankful for the relationships that we have because of that and the foundation uh, that was laid. That is not changing. This, this foundation of making sure that we're preaching the word of God, that we're getting on our knees together in prayer, that we're being bold in, and courageous in our evangelism, and that we worship Jesus, that, that, that the church exists for the glory of God. That's not changing. But we do think uh, that now is the right time for us to kind of start a new chapter. This is an opportunity for us as, as a church to communicate a, a new name in our community that would really identify who we are and why we're here in northern uh, Virginia. And, and we're pretty fired up about this. We've been talking about this for a while. We think the time is right to do that. Now, here's how. How are we going to do this? Well, I'm just going to tell you uh, straight up, we need your help, okay? Um, there's a lot that goes into this, so here's what's going to happen. The first thing is we're going to uh, form a, a task force 
Uh, I mean, you can call it a committee or it's a task force. Sounds better. Let's go with that. So uh, we're going to form a task force of people uh, that, that are willing to help us with all the logistics. There's a lot that goes into this, right? Having to come up with a, a, new, uh, a new logo and work with companies for that and, and, and all the, the signs and the website and all the quotes and costs, all of that. So, so there's a lot of details. And if you're willing to help with some of those, uh, just let us know. We'd really appreciate it. But we're also uh, going to send out a questionnaire to everyone. Because we want to, to give you a chance to give us some suggestions. We want uh, you to think about this with us and, and help us. Honestly, if you've ever named a kid, you know how hard it is to come up with a name, right? I, I mean, I know like some of you ladies have had your baby names picked out since you were like five-year-old little girls. But the problem is then you get married and, and you tell your husband and he's like, nah, I knew one of those. Can't, can't name it that, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? This is hard, okay? And so we need your help. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of this and thinking, and who are we? And and why are we here and, and trying to come up with a name that would really uh, communicate that in our community? And, um, and then we'll consult with some ministry leaders as well. And, and then our elders will make a final decision on that. And we're hoping that all of this will get rolled out uh, by Vision Sunday in September. Cool? Listen, I know you might have questions. I, I get it. Okay, so do I. Uh, but you can come and talk to me and come talk to Scott. Come talk to Matt. We'd, uh, we'd love to just encourage you to answer anything that we possibly could. Uh, but we are uh, excited about the days ahead and what God is doing. I will say this, that on a scale of importance of things we hear today, that is really low. Uh, a name, I know it's a big deal, but a name's just a name. The one name that we care most about is the name of Jesus. And I think we actually need to hear some encouragement and, and a a challenge from him. So, so all of that, um, all that we've just talked about is just the context for what we're going to read here in Revelation uh, chapter 2. I feel like the Lord has is, is kind of just been putting this word on my heart. Like, what? Here we are halfway through the year. What, God, what are we doing? And, and I think we need to hear this. Revelation uh, chapter 2. Follow along with me as I read, starting verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. And if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I feel like the Lord's just directing us here to this, and, and maybe we can consider this a word from Jesus directly uh, to us. You know, um, whenever you come to the book of Revelation, Revelation, I get it. Revelation is kind of hard to understand. There's a lot of creepy things that are going on. But in, in chapters 2 and 3, it's pretty easy to understand here that this is really just letters that are uh, essentially being written to seven 
different churches. And so, of course, I have a map because I wanted to be able to use this bad boy. And um, so, so just so that you can get the context here of what's happening, uh, John, the disciple, is writing this. And he's writing it. I know this is super small, but I wanted you to be able to see the scope here. You see Israel down here. You can see Italy up in the corner. John is writing from the island of Patmos right here. And he receives this revelation of Jesus Christ. These letters are going to go around to these seven churches here in modern-day Turkey. All right, that's where that is, and it starts first in Ephesus because uh, that's kind of the big city, and, it's, and then it's going to go around almost like a, a, a postal route, and, and because Ephesus was the main city there, it likely had a lot of influence on the other churches, and so, so that's what he says, verse 1, to the, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. That, that word angel could be uh, translated messenger, so we're, we're actually not really sure if it, if it means pastor or, or whether it's really just talking about like the spirit of that local church but the, the one thing that really is clear is that this is a message to that specific church well who's it from well, look at what it says verse one these are the words of him who holds the seven stars now I don't know that we've ever sung a worship song with that title um, but I do believe uh, as we see back in chapter one this is John's vision of seeing Jesus. These are the words of Christ. He has a personal message for individual specific churches in history, but, but, but even though that was for a specific church there in Ephesus, I think all of it was written for our instruction and is as relevant today as it was then, really kind of an important warning for us. And so I think this is it. If you're, if you're taking notes, okay, here's, um, here's one reminder that we need for the second half of our ministry year. Uh, let's, let's note this. We care most about what Jesus thinks of us. We care most about what Jesus thinks of us. What, a, what, what an in, intriguing question. Think, think, think about this. If, what if Jesus wrote a letter to our church? He wrote a, a letter to... Harvest Fairfax, would you, I would be a little intrigued as to what that would say. What, 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 what would he say about us? And is it possible that while there'd be a lot to um, commend and, 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 and celebrate, like we've, we've, we've spent time just looking back and there's a lot of great things, but, but is it possible that even though there'd be that, there might be a serious warning for us? And the reason is because it says that, that Jesus walks among the seven golden lampstands. Those are the churches. He walks among them, so he sees everything. And he says, I know your works. There's no fooling Jesus, right? No matter what others would perceive about these churches, he knows what's really going on. And, and, and there's a lot that he does commend. Verses 2 and 3, he says, I, I, I want uh, he, he's praising them for their works and, and their toil. They're working so hard. There's, there, there's patient endurance. They don't put up with false teaching. They're, they're, they're fighting for doctrinal purity. They're, they're enduring uh, for his name. They're, 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 they're not growing weary. I mean, those are, that's a lot of good stuff. And honestly, you, you read that church, and this looks like, uh, on the outside, it looks like a really solid and established church. But... The problem is there's still something missing. Which reminds us that, that Jesus sees everything. He sees what we do. He sees our works, but he also can see our hearts, right? 
Not just, not just what we do, but even why we do it. He, he sees our thoughts. He sees our, our motives and our desires. And the reason this is important for us is I know you're like me. I want to be a part of a church where God is at work, right? I want to be a part of a church where we're not having to manufacture that. We're not trying to, trying to fake it when it's not really happening. We want it to be real where something is happening here. And the only explanation is that God is doing a work here. And if that's happening, if God is at work in our church, we're going to see that in the stories of lives that are being changed by his glory. We, we, we want it to be genuine and, and real that we love Christ and we live sent. And, and not just what it looks like on the outside, but, but it's real on the inside. Because Jesus can see right through us collectively and individually. And he sees what's really going on in our hearts. And he can actually show us that too. So are we concerned first and foremost with what Jesus would say about us? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go spend a couple of days with a bunch of pastors in uh, GCC, and um, I love these guys, and, and we're doing ministry together, and we're so thankful for them. Because there's a lot of love there, we know the question's coming, right? They're going to be asking, how's, how's, how's your church doing? How, how are things going in Fairfax? How is Harvest Fairfax doing? It's a legit question, but how do you, how do you measure it? What, what, what's, what's the temptation to think about? Come on, let's be real here. Yeah, isn't it? We start thinking about the numbers. We start thinking about, um, well, how are we doing in attendance? And how many rows of people do we have? And how is, how's our giving? And how many baptisms have we had? And, and how many small groups do we have? And we start thinking about our rock and worship band and our kids' ministry and our student ministry and our women's events and our outreach and our service projects and all the volunteers that we have. And listen, those, those can be indicators. But, but if they asked Jesus the same question, hey, Jesus, how are things going in Fairfax? How, how, is the, how is the church doing? I wonder if he'd mention any of that. Like, these good things are things we want to celebrate, but I think he's way more interested in what's happening in our hearts. And so I know the question's coming, how's, how's the church doing? There's a part of me that just wants to say, honestly, I don't know, but Jesus does, and we're trying to follow him. And if we make him our deepest and greatest concern, I, I do believe that God is going to get glory in this church. So I don't, um, I don't honestly see this as a condemnation for where we're at, but an important warning for where we're going. And God has started a good work here in this church. I love uh, this church family that's, that's growing in concern for his glory and getting after the Great Commission. We've, we've started well. But we don't want to lose focus on the main thing. And so we don't want to start to look to worldly measures for a health assessment. Are, are we content um, to look at, look at numbers and things that the world says makes a successful church and what, what, what they think about our church? Or, or, or do we care most about what Jesus thinks? And sometimes, let's just be honest, we, we, we can get so duped by the culture that we, we, we end up, it's kind of like we're filtering our, our own selfies. You know what I'm talking about? 
where we're trying to take our picture at just the right angle, and then we want to put a filter over it to make us look our best, and we start measuring and trying to manipulate things that we're told make us a good church, and we look for business tips on how to improve and make it better, and honestly, sometimes we get lost looking at things that in the end, they just don't matter as much. And, and, and some of it can be fruit. Some of it is really important. But, but a lot of it can also fool us into thinking that we're healthier than we really are. And Jesus is not going to our website to check out all our statements and, and, and how many programs we have. His, his biggest concern is not the clarity of our signage or the temperature of our coffee or how comfortable our services are or the volume of our guitars or even how loud the preacher yells, right? It's not that. And I just don't think he's as impressed with our attendance numbers or our bank account. He's looking right here. What's in this church's heart? I think I'm probably talking more to myself than to you, but I I just want to be done with all these man-centered measurements that miss the heart. Let's get back to Jesus. Let him speak to us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows what's healthy and what's not. And so the question is, are we, are we willing to put ourselves again and again under the microscope of God's word and, and just be submitting to him, honestly laying ourselves before Christ and inviting him to examine our hearts? Say, God, show us what's in here. It's actually one of my, one of my favorite prayers from the psalm, Psalm 139. You can see it here. And David He's, he's singing this psalm of, of praise for God's omniscience, that, that, that God knows everything. There's nowhere I can go uh, that, that I could hide from you. You see it all. And here's, here's what he says at the end. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And man, if you're reading that, you're like, oh. I don't know if I want to pray that prayer. Like, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a dangerous and trusting prayer, isn't it? But there needs to be, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we care more about what's on the inside, and we want to be more like Christ. And so if there is sin in here, there needs to be an urgency to get that out. And we will submit to the surgical scalpel of the Holy Spirit using his word to purify his church and to make us more like Christ. God started a really good work here. But we need, I think, a a holy unrest, kind of a a, a righteous dissatisfaction with where we're at. We don't don't want to grow uh, complacent or or be filled with pride or or take things that, that honestly, we should be celebrating but but elevate them to a wrong level of importance that that, that gives us a, a distorted view of ourselves so that we think everything's okay even if there are areas where we desperately need to grow. What matters most is what Jesus wants. That's what we want to get after. The encouragement here, listen, listen, the encouragement is that Jesus loves us, church, not based on our performance. The gospel lets us rest in this. So really, this is, this is just a checkup. It's just halftime, okay? And, and we want to make sure that when we're coming out of the tunnel, we're not uh, using this moment and getting uh, a, a wrong game plan wasting this opportunity to make sure that we're getting back to what matters most. 
And so that leads us to the second reminder. Note this. Here's, here, here it is. If you hear nothing else, this is it. What we want most is to passionately love Christ. Do we want that, church? Because that's what he wants. Verse 4, he says, I have this against you, like all that great stuff. You've got some really good things going for you, but there's still this area of, of major, major concern in this church. He says, you have abandoned the love that you had at first. That word abandoned means you, you, you left it. You stopped maintaining it. You stopped insisting on it. What, what did they stop maintaining? What did, what did they stop insisting on? Love. You, you lost that. I mean, this, this church has been working hard. They've been, they, they've been protect, protecting the, the doctrine of the church. They're, they're, they're trying to teach what's right. Their, their hands are busy. Their heads are full. But the fire in their hearts to love God was out cold. They didn't want Jesus like they once did. They, they, they weren't hungry for his presence anymore. There, there, there was no passion. There was no joy for Christ. And no doubt that had a negative impact on their love for one another in all of this. And, and Jesus is not coming like this is just some, uh, you know, this is a suggestion for improvement. Here's one thing you can work. No, he says this is a call to repentance. Look, verse 5. He says, remember from where you have fallen and repent. And if not, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand. What he's saying, there's consequences. If you lose your love, if a church loses this, it won't be a church anymore. He's going to come and he's going to put the light out. That's a big deal. So honestly, this, this is kind of a haunting question for me as we think about where are we at as a church. And the biggest question, if we can hear nothing else, do we love Christ? Do we love Jesus? Because apparently it's possible to do a whole bunch of good things and to hit a whole bunch of milestones that most would say make a, a good, healthy, successful church, but you're actually just going through the motions and you've lost your love for Jesus. I just don't want that for us. I thought about it a lot, and I think um, I got some encouragement this week that I, I really do believe that there are things that are happening in this church that have moved the heart of God. It may not always be the, um, the things that tend to uh, get celebrated. Sometimes it's the little things that go unnoticed. And, and I'm just confessing that sometimes I think I get jazzed up about some things that I end up missing the stuff that really catches the eye of Christ. But, but I think about some of the ways that, that you really do love Christ. And it's just encouraged me that we're in a good spot here. It's when, you, uh, it's when you're texting one another and giving words of encouragement and it's in your hugs and, and, and just your genuine affection and your commitment to this as the family of God that, that you want these relationships. And it's in the way that a lot of you are growing in your disciplines. You're getting after it and getting into the word of God and, and getting on your knees faithfully and asking. You've, you've opened up about that and you've shared that in your small groups. And because of that, there's loving questions and there's follow-up and there's accountability that's happening. It's, it's, our, it's in our, uh, the faithfulness of our prayer team. 
and the fervency they have there and, and fasting together and, and asking and expecting God to work and knowing that if anything good is going to happen, it's because God is in it and we need him desperately. And it's in our, it's in our husbands that are leading their families out of, out of love and, and humility and understanding. And it's, it's our wives that are submitting out of faith and confidence in the Lord. It's in our, in our parents that are, that are uh, teaching and, and reading and, and talking about Jesus to your kids. It's, it's our guys uh, that, are, that are hanging out and, and building relationships that go beyond just food and football, which is great, but, 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 but pursuing that together. And, and our women that just have a, a hunger and want deeper personal relationships with each other and with the Lord and are willing to include one another and make sure that nobody is being left out. And it's, it's our servants that are, that, that are just not here just to consume and to get, but who are willing to give and make sacrifices and putting other people first and, and showing up super early in the morning on a Sunday when it's freezing outside and, and giving your time to go and, and teach the kids God's word and, and those of you who are taking the initiative to welcome people and greet one another and you're serving, you're going above and beyond in that. It's in those of you who are giving generously and investing in God's kingdom more than your own and it's in those of you who are uh, boldly sharing your faith at work. I hear those stories. I love to hear how God is working in you and through you in that. And those of you who are, who are striving for unity, I know some of you are, you're standing on, on the front lines for truth in this culture, even when it's not popular. I know some of you are taking heat. You're under attack for that, but you're trying to stand for the values of God's kingdom, but doing it out of, out of love and humility and grace, and, and not just in, in, out loud and in the community, but it's, but it's also in your, in your quiet times uh, of, of devotion and, and worship and prayer and pursuing a relationship with Christ and, and confessing sin and repenting and experiencing victory and striving to be more like Jesus. It's in, it's in your commitment to gathering here together and singing because you love Christ and you have this hope and you love, you, you love the body of Christ. We're declaring these truths together. Listen, God sees all of it. I think that's what he's looking for. I'm praying that he gets the glory in all of it. Now, if I can say anything, it's just that. I think the Lord is saying to us, don't, don't lose your love for me. I know we've made a, a big emphasis this year on living scent. And that doesn't always mean that you have to go around the world, right? You can live scent right here, right now, right where God has placed you. But before you live sent, first let's get this. That we love Christ. Because it's the vertical worship of our great God that propels the horizontal advancement of his mission. We don't want to lose this. Maybe I have felt this, and I've been asking the Lord to do a work in my heart on this. I just, I don't want to go through the motions. Like, I want this to be real. I want this to be genuine. And maybe you would sense that, that your love for Christ has kind of been growing cold. Um, maybe you feel stale a little. That's a big deal. And so if it is, what do we do? Well, verse 5 tells us. He says, remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. 
What he's saying is think back to what God has already done in your life. Look at what Jesus has done. Think about that time when you were walking closely with him, when there was, there was joy there, and, and the gospel had gripped your heart because you really understood that you were a sinner, but your, uh, the love for Christ, not dependent on your performance, you are forgiven that, that he is your Savior, and you were overwhelmed with joy because you realized you could say with the psalmist that, that he forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He, he satisfies you with good. He works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, or, or, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him and all of these promises find their yes in Christ that's what we need if we could get anything it would be a bigger view of Jesus and we would just be a church that is passionately in love with him let's not lose that church going in the second half of our ministry you cannot wait to see what God is going to do but if it's going to be something that he would look down and smile and be pleased by and get the glory, it's going to be because we're a church that is pursuing him first. Father, I pray that you would make that a reality. We have so many things to be thankful for. We're, uh, we're in a good place and and. We give you praise for all the things that you've done, ways that we didn't even expect. And God, there is much to rejoice in. There's much that we want to say thank you for. But we don't want to lose our focus. God, I'm praying that this year we're going to grow in maturity as a healthier church with our eyes fixed on Christ. So maybe you need to stir our hearts a bit. And the only way I think we can do that is to think back to the gospel and get back into your word and let us, let, let you remind us of who you are. Sometimes we've spent too much time tasting the things of the world. We've got that taste in our mouth. God, help us to get rid of that and taste and see that you're better. Pray that we would delight in you and long for you. And that in all of this, we would become a church that loves you more than anything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>